What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. And we're back, and this is going to be something for <laughs> two, two morally, uh, emotionally... Uh, <laughs> Closed off and suspect. Repressed. Yeah, yeah, suspect is a good word. <laughs> White men to be talking about long-lost love and emotions and emotional invulnerability. Uh, hi, I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. This is your Oscars review of the movie Past Lives. Uh, Michael, we've been excited for this one. That was yes. stupid of us. No, very stupid. I, I think every it, like if we actually had an ex listen to this episode, they would. <laughs> how many scoffs? An over under of a hundred and fifty scoffs. Yeah, and cackles. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna do my best to not talk about any of them, but I don't know how that's gonna go. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, both of us. If we're famous, Mike is uh, also Mike. There is famous for talking about the Brant gesture, the, uh, the, uh, the the gesture that the Butler there makes in the, the Big Lebowski. Philip once, uh, Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman makes once uh, Miss Lebowski there offers to, to suck the the deuce. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah Nether yeah, yeah, region yeah, yeah. for a thousand. I'm trying to get like well, we're we're starting right off. Aren't yeah, we? starting hot, starting hot. Well, what is love to you? No. Um, so. If you've not joined us before for a movie review, an Oscars review, uh, you're not going to be spoiled, even though, I mean, it's past lives and we've been previewing it and you kind of know what you're getting. But nonetheless, we won't spoil the specifics of the plot in the first half of this movie. It'll be all non-spoilers for the first half of this episode. We'll go into the production design. We'll go into the Oscars chances, what we think they go category by category. We'll review the performances, et cetera, et cetera. We'll then have a spoiler warning at the halfway point. The second half of this episode will be the spoilers uh, for the plot itself, the ins and outs of the intricacies. And there, uh, too, therefore, there mm-hmm. we have. You can speak now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're off to a hot start, as always. But uh, <laughs> to introduce the movie, we have Past Lives, produced and distributed by A24, written and directed by Celine Song, starring Greta Lee, uh, Teo Yu, and John Magaro. This uh, film premiered at Sundance on January 21st of 2023, and it got some fantastic reviews, Michael. Yeah, it did, and it, it. I mean, they're worthy of the critical reception is up there at ninety four. That's like beyond best picture type territory. That's cult following, legendary stuff. Ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes as well, and one hundred and sixty one reviews. Extremely, extremely high. So is the audience reception at eight point four right now on IMDb, and ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience scores. So it's it's doing very well according to people who have seen it, according to critics. How is it doing financially? It's some mixed messaging as far as I'm concerned. It did well in its platform, right? Mm-hmm. This will be. This will be through 40 days in theaters after this coming weekend. Uh, It has committed to a very slow rollout past lives. Week one was only in four theaters. Week two was 26. Week three was 85. Week four was 296. And week five, the highest it will go, unfortunately, is 903 theaters nationwide. So past lives grossing 6.2 million dollars thus far with really only one week of a not i mean a semi-wide release not even really a wide release sadly it's losing theaters near us and i'm expecting it's actually going to contract before or, or, or instead of expanding even wider so that sucks michael and i cannot find a budget on this a24 film i did find a couple of websites that said 35 million however 
There's sure. no way that's yeah. true. This film was shot in 35 millimeters, so I'm, I believe <laughs> these goofy-ass websites are confusing the abbreviation abbreviation of you know lowercase m m for millimeter instead of uh uppercase double m which is like wall street for millions Millions of dollars yeah i mean i mean unless they actually rented the apartment this was shot in for the period of a year maybe i don't know but yeah there's not 35 million dollars worth of production in this so my guess is that Past Lives is going to make like another four or five million here as it winds down in the U.S. Going through this weekend, this weekend will probably be the majority of it. So it's going to be around 10, 11 million domestic. And hopefully that'll, you know, get bigger on PVOD here in the States. The PVOD uh, has been something A24 allows a long window on before it eventually moves to a Paramount Plus or whatnot. This is not a co-production with Apple TV Plus like a Causeway was or a, uh, a co-production with Netflix for A24 like The Deepest Breath. So my guess is it's going to wind up with its third or fourth life on Paramount Plus. And yet I really wish this movie, Past Lives, would get that second life, that Banshees of Inisherin kind of water cooler moment again for lack of a modern term michael because everybody watched it on netflix or amazon prime but Mm. i don't know if that's going to happen the i mean if you're talking apples to apples in terms of momentum for like you know everything everywhere all at once last year's a24 small movie platform release that got wider and wider and this doesn't seem to have that momentum no not at all. That movie right. was so, a blockbuster. Right. That was, you know, a runaway freight train, and it had power behind it, too. And the Russos, not saying this one doesn't, A24 is obviously, they're, they're veterans of the awards game, but I don't know that we're dealing with something that's going to be an upset at the Oscars in the way that, or like take the Oscars by storm in the way that Everything Everywhere did last year. But I don't know, I mean, you know, does that mean that it shouldn't? Well, let's get into it and let's talk about it. Here's the plot right. premise. Nora and Hay Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rested apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. So I told my first watch story already. I had gone to New York City to, to, to watch a threesome yeah. of <laughs> Tribeca films, not a Good threesome start. of... Anyway, I... Uh, Let's make sure we trip over and explain every possible sexual innuendo in this episode particularly. <laughs> and in, <laughs> what did I do with my emotions? I buried them into a deep dish pizza at Emmett's <laughs> in the village on McDougal Street. And I ate three slices of pizza, fittingly enough, before I then went to see what movie? Elemental. Which, of course, <laughs> has all kinds of creepy Really get your hormones revving. For me. So, yeah, I was... I was really going uh, going strong that day. Now, look, my rewatch, I didn't have high stakes because I already knew what to expect. I went to the theater, and I'm with one elderly couple at the time of my screening. Now, I didn't go to a primetime screening, but I'm very curious to how you saw this, and I'm, I'm wondering what your stakes were for this movie. Um, I have a couple ways in which I can go. I saw this in the middle of the day. It was me mm. and two other people in the theater, I think. I was freezing my ass off really? I had to, I had, the one woman had like was two rows in front of me and she had this full blanket on that she had brought with her and i was never more jealous of any person in my entire what? life it was such a smart move she brought her own blanket because she knew the theater would be so cold and she was just on her recliner chilling out under her blanket i, I had my arms in my shirt at one point i was so freaking cold but anyway um <laughs> as cold as my cold dead heart i guess as far as food mike uh i went to the trumbull theater uh-huh. They had Oreo popcorn, okay. which was, 
I mean, it was like this gourmet popcorn that they offered. I like, I got it. Let me try it. I'll try getting small. The small was the guy had to have given me a large. It was giant. But anyway, <laughs> it's like was popcorn that was popped with Oreos, but they just took like whole Oreo cookies and like crushed them in the popcorn and like sprinkled it in. So I was having Delicious. way too much sugar. So how did you not fall asleep? This must have been a good movie. Look, this is my the entire point of my this like rambling from me. I was so tired in this movie. I was yawning. <laughs> Home life's been hell. Like, mm-hmm. I was so stressed out. I wanted to fall asleep, but I didn't. And this good. is how I know it was a good movie. <laughs> that's so, how you know. Yeah, that's the litmus test for me now. I did not fall asleep for one moment throughout the, the showing here of Past Lives, despite being in a uh, 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 an emotional quandary with my level feelings and a sugar high and freezing my bums off. Yeah, I mean, you're too much of a movie lover to actually do this ironically enough but we've been joking quite a bit about you just getting a list to go see movies and get some sleep because you've been tyler durden otherwise more it's or less yes terrible uh and yeah so th- this this movie you know it's got the goods because it kept your attention <laughs> kept you awake even though you were dog ass tired so that, yeah. that is good that is a good sign uh i do I do think this movie on rewatch is worth it, though. So if you guys have seen it once or if you're looking forward to it on VOD, like I said, we're not going to spoil this today, or like you said. So, you know, take in this non-spoiler review here. But uh, it's worth a second watch. There's even more added to that second watch in terms of nuance and depth, and we'll get into that. Let's, uh, let's talk about the screenplay and the composition for a second here, Michael. In my mind, the screenplay is absolutely the strongest contender at this year's Oscars in the original screenplay category. However, I am not relegating Past past Lives to a screenplay-only best day at the Oscars. Yeah, I don't know whether to give the screenplay or the directing or the performances, because there's a lot of dialogue-heavy scenes where there's just two cameras on the performers... Mm-hmm. And you're just you have these long drawn out shots and it's really just them talking to each other for I mean, whether, it, you know, it's the two the uh, love star crossed lovers or the boyfriend and the girlfriend in this. And we'll get into all of it. But there, I don't know who I give credit to, because, you know, if you write that down on paper, it shouldn't be that alluring and that enticing. And it is. Well, I give Celine's song a lot of props here because I've listened to like all her interviews and I listened to the Q&A at Sundance and I think she is selling me on the fact that it was all deliberate. So either she's doing a great sales job and she's lying <laughs> through her teeth and it's all <laughs> Well, no, it is deliberate because there's so many moments of that. Like, the, the majority of this film, whether they're by the merry-go-round or whether they're in the apartment or whether they're in the restaurant, like, there's so many moments of, the, like, set pieces where it's just the camera's sitting there and you're cross-cutting a couple times to get a couple different angles to see who's talking, but that's it. I tell you what, I think ultimately the screenplay on on second watch and on second investigation, this is going to be something classes study, screenwriting classes study in years going forward. And I I would wonder if in worse filmmaking hands, in, in lesser talented hands, you look at a highly structured movie like this as somewhat, I don't want to say manipulative, but contrived rather than genuine and authentic whereas i buy this story and i think the whole immigrant experience of it as well you add that on to it 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 deepens this story all the more and so to to, to where i'm buying it hook line and sinker yeah i think that i mean i'm of two minds here and one i'm not well let's uh, both of them i'm unqualified to speak on but i'm gonna do it anyway uh the immigrant story 
I'm sure has a lot to say about this. And I would love to get somebody from South Korea, from that culture to, to comment on this. And I will seek that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously have, I can't relate to that story. So I do wonder how much the, the cultural impact of like what Koreans specifically go through in terms of emigration and in terms of, uh, you know, relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of talk about how Koreans are in relationships throughout this. I would love to know how true to life that is. I imagine it's extremely accurate. Secondly, I don't know that I've seen a movie recently, certainly, um, mostly because I don't seek out movies that are centered on emotion because I don't acknowledge my own. <laughs> but I don't know if I've seen a movie that's like more indicative of what it actually means to be like a guy in a relationship and a girl right. in a relationship, at least from my point of view. Good. Like they're, they're so heavy handed in this as terms of like, and I'm cringing at time. I'm literally like biting my nails in my seat. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And like, like it's really drawing. And that's the core of what this movie is. It's like everybody can relate to this, what we're watching on screen. I don't care if you're from Korea, from America. I don't care where you're from. Everybody's been through something similar to this. I felt a lot of parallels in my past, and I related to this movie on a personal level several different ways at several of the different plot points of the story because this story takes place in essentially three times when the characters Mm -hmm. are young and they're they're pre-teens. 10, 12, whatever that is, in their grade school years. Then again, at grad school, I think, early mm-hmm. 20s, mid, early to mid-20s, and then 12 years later, again, I think it jumps forward 12 years at a time in their uh, adult years, their early to mid-30s. So I just feel like she wrote the hell out of this, where you have lines of dialogue and themes echoing and reverberating through each of these errors to the point where something that they they say to each other in the middle of the film is responding to an exchange they had earlier and and of course something they say to each other in act three is responding to something that they said to each other in their 20s i just think that's brilliant and the symmetrical nature of that kind of screenwriting although like you said it is heavy-handed it is highly structured when it works i have to give that a lot of credit I just love, I love when a director is that strong. Especially when you're, when you're able to like keep that. I mean, think about just making a movie and how many, you know, everyone always, everyone always talks about how when they're making a movie, you never really, really know if it's going well because you've got to put it together at the end. But like mm. to keep that consistency and that heavy handedness throughout every scene and have it still deliver in the way it does. That's, that's, that's an incredible, incredible job by Celine, Celine Song, whether it's, again, I don't know what to give it more credit in the directing or the, the writing, but it, she deserves it. And I think my final point here is that there's not a lot of plot, like no. plot events, yeah. right? I would be suspicious if I were a suit working in a movie studio and I read this screenplay, or I heard a pitch for this screenplay. I'd be like, that's a psychological excavation worthy of a novel if they do it correctly. That doesn't doesn't mm. seem to me like it's a movie, right? You'd need the actors to really pull the weight. Hmm. And that's, I mean, you get it in this one, but yeah, that's, I, I, I get what you're saying, but you know, if done well, then sure you can pull off anything. And my God, did these actors, I think pull it off. Well, yeah. Greta Lee is not young or Nora moon. She's from the morning show, Russian doll inside Amy Schum- Schumer and the upcoming problem. Mista Teo Yu as Hey Sung. Uh, he's from decision to leave. And John Magaro as Arthur. He shows up. John and- Magaro, by the way. Take his guy from the big short and take this guy. I don't remember him in the big short. Who is he in the big short? Is he not? Is he not the 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 traitor, the young traitor with the glasses? 
who, Maybe. who him and his buddy, who him and his buddy, uh, cozy up to Brad Pitt. Uh, it maybe like I, the loud, outspoken I, one, the one no, who's like, "I'm gonna have to move back in with my parents." It's still not real. He's one of the main characters, Mike. He's like, uh, it's him, he, he I, and uh, him, him and his buddy go to <laughs> like you know Goldman Sachs or whoever on Wall Street, trying to like pitch something at the very beginning of the movie, and they find the plan. Mm. On the de- on the chair there in the lobby, and they're like, "Yes, this didn't actually happen. They didn't actually find the plan on the chair, but for movie making purposes, this is how we're going to tell the story." Ryan Gosling says that to the camera or over narration. Well, what was his performance like in The Big Short? Was it big or small? Or- Very, extremely big. <laughs> okay, so that's that's something else about this this guy John Magaro because he gives these huge performances in movies like The Many Saints of New Newark. He's like a caricature of Silvio Dante. You're saying he's a big performance in The Big Short, and yet I remember he's the you know he's the height of subtlety in all his Kelly Riker performances, showing yes. up First Cow. I don't remember him in Overlord or Marshall. But I, you know, or Carol for that matter. But obviously, here he is as nuanced as anybody. I am sending you a picture right now to your text. <laughs> it bothers me that you don't remember this I'm man. Sorry. Is- <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't. I need to rewatch The Big Short. It's, that's been a rewatch. That, that could be a problem to too. Is that I do rewatch The Big Short and clips of it like pretty much daily on YouTube, at least. Anyway, I think Greta Lee's performance, at least on first watch, was the strongest to me. Then I would have said uh, Teo Yu and, and Magaro. I really didn't like his character on first watch. I'll get into why, and I, I'll get into how Who, he won which, me over. Teo Yu's or Magaro's? Magaro's. Okay. And, and yet, on rewatch, on rewatch, I think all three performances grow in my esteem. And yet, I think Teo Yu... His performance is incredible. Like he has moments where he blows me away, and then Magaro, like he's Oscar worthy to me too. Like all three of these performances, in my mind, even though they're subtle, and even though if I'm predicting, you know, whether or not the Academy will recognize them, maybe I'm predicting against them because they're so uh, they're not showy. They're 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 so uh, very understated. Understated is the word I was searching. Very for. very Thank understated. You. Yes. Um, if I am, Magaro's character has far more uh, integrity than I ever could as a man. Um, if I am Magaro's character, if I'm living through this and a man who looks like Tao shows up in the situations these characters are in, I, you, ha- you got to fight him. I can't I mean, believe that's John Magaro in the big short. Yes, thank you, class. right? <laughs> I thought that was like, you know, Robin from <laughs> the comics, Batman and Robin. Yes. That's wild. Yes. Yes, I couldn't believe it either. Um, back to my point, what I was saying, Taylor, you might be the best looking man alive. Oh, he's incredibly handsome. Yes. To, the, to where, like, John Magaro shits his pants. Yeah, actually... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, if that guy shows up at my doorstep under these conditions, we have to fight. Like, you can you can hang out. Like, I get it. But, like, out of principle, I, we, we got, like, we're throwing hands. Or at least an arm wrestle. Yeah, yeah no, we like, are we not something. Mature. We Look, I'm not, I don't, I don't characterize myself as a jealous lover but i am yeah i'm not uh i'm but not you can't have fabio showing up at my doorstep that's right that's right like jesus like <laughs> the korean jason tatum or right. channing tatum right. excuse me jason tatum either one they're both beautiful <laughs> that's right uh but Tao you like what he does with his eyes in this movie like he's teary-eyed in in a certain scene but he's he's not teary-eyed he's on the cusp He's on the verge of being teary-eyed. So he doesn't do this big Nelly Leroy. Well, he's doing. I mean, he not to cut you off, but he like 
the, the emotional spectrum of these three characters is Magara is the very reserved one. Teo's trying to be reserved, but he obviously can only hold it in so much. And like Greta Lee's Nora's character, ha- like she, she has is, to, she's faking it. And you see that at the very end when she's And yet like, she has to emote a little more throughout the movie because she's kind of our our surrogate she's character. She's a conduit, yeah. Yeah, more than the other two are. So I that's why I probably recognize her performance more on first watch, which might be why she's got the stronger acting chances. But where I was going with Teo Yu, like he's not Nelly Leroy, Margot Robbie from Babylon you know, turning on the waterworks in this scene, is he? Like, did or did no. they put, like, a cold, wet cloth on his eyes to get him to look <laughs> like that? Did he smoke a, a doobie with what Pauly? You're saying, what you're saying is a man this beautiful should not also be this talented. It's not How fair. How does he get his eyes to the verge of being on the verge of tears yeah. without yeah. any actual water shown in the eyes? Like, oh, my God. Mm. Anyway... Yeah. Magaro, he had the poker face in my first watch, and then I'm watching all these teeny tiny little movements of his on second watch, and you're looking at all the Kelly Reichardt training ground stuff that she's been, he's been doing lately with showing up and, and and first cow, and you're like, oh my god, this is coloring this performance. Like the those previous performances are have built up to this. Yeah, watching Magaro and the interactions, like that's where I got the most anxiety because it's like. Man, I, I would really, I like to think of myself as somebody who could handle the situation in the way that Magaro's character did. And you know what? Maybe after, no, I'm serious. I'm like, maybe after You're being married for seven yes. years. No, mm-hmm. like, 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 I like to think of myself as somebody who's like, you know, a, a, a mature enough to, to handle that. Maybe after being married for seven years, it's a possibility and you're more, maybe. but like the, God, the insecurity was just eating me up and I get, I, I completely understand that's the point. I was squirming in my seat for him. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm not mature enough to handle that. <laughs> Any yeah, of that just in the moment. <laughs> but I tell you what, the the three performances on rewatch were fantastic. Let's talk about it from an Oscars pundit perspective here. Uh, no momentum. Words out. Right? There's not nearly enough momentum for this to, to, to gain legs. However, I feel like these categories are wide the hell open. Sure. I really don't feel as if we have these obvious nominations, you know, in pen already. Like, nobody from the first half of the year, to me, is saying we must be nominated. We're undeniable. Yes, I think. Maybe a Damon? No, I don't. I don't. don't, Look, I don't think he's he's bad in that movie. I think he's good, but I I would be shocked if he's in pen right now. But maybe he's in pencil. You're right. Killers of the Flower Moon, The Color Purple, Salt Burn, maybe Dune Part 2. You know, they're going to have representatives, perhaps, but I don't know if any of that's assured. And then we don't know what categories and, and how that's going to happen. But, like, The Book of Clarence moved out, Asteroid City or Air, I would argue they're more ensembles than anything else. So I'm wondering, like, I think we have four wide-open acting categories right now so if Greta Lee T.O.U. and John Magaro are easily on top of those categories maybe the field just never runs away from them maybe the field always comes back to them and then we're not you know you know we're penciling them in now and it just becomes pen later on sure uh that's uh, very much a possibility I agree there's not a, a more than maybe one standout in any of the four categories thus far the counter to that is that this is pre-Oppenheimer, pre-Barbie, one. Two, even if you don't want to believe blockbusters, just look at last year. I mean, one of the elite actress cat- nomination category slots wasn't filled in until uh, 
mm-hmm. the, the voting happened. You know that. Uh, what am I? The big controversy. I can't. I, I'm so foggy right, right now. Riceboro, yeah. Andrea Riceboro. Thank you very much. <laughs> like she wasn't. She wasn't even talked about until the the voting happened. You know what I mean? So yeah. that you need that kind of momentum at the very end. I don't. For a movie like this to have the momentum at the end, it kind of needs to have momentum now to carry it to the end. And that's usually you what A twenty four does. However, however, we've seen Sundance films usually ripped by Sony Pictures Classics with the father. Yes. We've seen them be hits at Sundance early, do whatever they do in theaters, but come back with a vengeance late just because they you know, they they The they father played a streamer just... at the end of the year though, didn't it? Yeah, I, I look at I think A twenty four is good at this time frame. And they could be good at doing playing the long game with past lives. However, you're right. I hope I don't, you're right. I, don't I hope you're right. Know if they're as motivated with this movie because everything, everywhere, all at once. They probably had more money to do more events. Obviously, because it was their best money earner ever. And, and there were movie, all sorts of narratives attached to that. I mean, Michelle Yeoh is its own narrative. The Russo brothers behind oh, it, yeah. stuff like that. You know what I mean? There are narratives to this film in the sense that I think you know it's it's a smashing debut. These actors all have the true the true story, the immigrant experience, or the experience uh, that they lived through with Celine Song here. Uh, she, I mean, she lit. This is autobiographical in a way, but also John Magaro's married to a Korean American woman, and you know Tao Yu was an, was an immigrant uh, to Germany from South Korea. So I mean, this is this is a very personal story for all four of those principal people. They could keep telling those narratives down the line, and that could, or you know, those those storylines. Yeah, they they could, but I mean, is that usually something that grabs the Academy in major categories? I just wonder, Not historically, I just wonder if this movie's going to hang there because the Academy loved this movie at Sundance. The, the I Academy, hope so. it the deserves industry, to be, the, and the industry is going to love this movie when they they come to watch it because it's this it's very mature love story. Anyway, the psychosexual repression of Hollywood is going to come galvanize itself behind this movie where they all need to be open and emotionally vulnerable. You know how those heathens are out in the Hollywood Hills, Mike? Yeah. Just listen to Fox News. <laughs> and by mature love story, I was not referring to like cougars and whatever. <laughs> Fox News, in my mind, just plays the third act of yeah, Babylon just, in the Hollywood, yeah, the caves right. of Hollywood over and over again. <laughs> Right. What what is he doing, Giselle? He's just giving them f- fodder. Anyway, production values two major points of contention for me, or points of att- attention. I am I'm I suck at my transitions right now. Shabir Kirchner, the cinematographer, shot this film on thirty five millimeter. There are so many great shots. Number one, where he uses an interesting horizon line as David okay. Lynch as John Ford said as a dictum in the fablements there. Like the horizon is either on the top mm-hmm. where it's interesting or on the bottom where it's interesting. <laughs> it's never in the middle where it's dull. Uh, he's got huge panoramic He deserved Judd Hirsch's nomination, by the way. Come on. Uh, backdrops of New York City and Seoul, like both cities for a 35 million millimeter camera, no budget, which is... Um, Again, I'm guessing this is a low budget. Gorgeous visuals. We, my, uh, one of my yeah. best friends has lived in Seoul for the last couple of years, and it angers me because it just always looks like such a cool city to live in. I imagine that's what the experience of looking at New York City from the outside is for people who have never been. 
And, and then, like, city dwellers will relate to every public transit showcase in this. Like, we're, we're, we're looking at these jaw-dropping sites from cars, buses, subways, even the Skylift in Seoul there, which is a huge, memorable uh, shot. And then you get, like the pedestrian shots where they're walking like from the trailer uh him and her across the street at a, waiting for the the crosswalk light to, to turn mm-hmm. the other way and, and the gorgeous you know close-ups involved there and then the bookend shots of the film the long walks like this is flashy cinematography in a sense of the framing and and how beautiful this these cities are made to look but it's not going to be all the crane work and all the vfx influenced uh, drone stuff and and all the crazy trapeze act cinematography we're going to get killers of the flower moon oppenheimer dune that will probably you know load up minimalist in the way that that describing the film was minimalist i agree do you think they were taking some shots at new york city in this like you look at all oh, the, everything so? from Seoul and South Korea, right? And like, look at how clean and spacious and fast those trains are. And then you have the subways of New York City, and like dark and dingy. And the train, the 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 train itself is rocking on the track, going away. Like the 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 juxtaposition between the transit of the two cities. And again, you said it like the High Line, the uh, the Skyline ride in Seoul, South Korea versus New York City. You're always in, you're walking by these. Uh, shuttered windows and the shutdown stores and stuff. I mean, it's nighttime, obviously, in those scenes, but like there is that juxtaposition. I was, I couldn't get away from that feeling. Like, huh? You're trying to say something about American transit, which isn't wrong to say. There is, I mean, we desperately I, need a massive upgrade in this country for our public transit systems. I really didn't notice that at okay. all. I was like. There was a comedian who did a bit one time where they he had just talked on the phone with some girl and then they met in person. He's like, "Yep, this is what I fucking look like. <laughs> Take it in, drink it in." It's like when we go on YouTube, everyone's just gonna be like, "Hey, this is it. This is what you get." Like to me, these you know subway shots of the New York. That's what it fucking looks but like. But that's, that's my what, point, Mike. That's what I'm but saying. But you like, think it's dirty? I'm used be, to it. But it could be better. It could be so much more. <laughs> I'm used to that's what it looks like, Mike. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't notice it being particularly All dirty. Right. It wasn't like Taxi Driver from the 1970s. Have you ever gone right. on a New York City subway and felt cleaner for the no, experience? No, of course okay. not. All right, Nobody that's, that's, has. A, that's all I'm saying. Nobody has. Anyway, uh, I, I also wanted to talk about the score by Christopher Bear and Daniel Rawson of the indie rock band Grizzly Bear. Look, this was a light touch, as I've mentioned. This is xylophone, bells, clarinet, I think. I re-listened to this score twice this morning preparing this doc. And you can like go to a museum and hear this music in the background. It's not elevator music necessarily, but this is like this will play in an exhibit, but it it's not like this manipulative music. You would have thought like if like That's look, a good I mean, point. Celine Song said she had to have some restraint with this score because she was tempted to just go, you know, strings and violins. And and look, that could work for other movies. Call Me By Your Name had a very emotional score to it. But this score was like a will they or won't they score. Yeah, saying it's 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 more of a score you hear in like, you know, a day in the life movie, walking around the city type thing. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not manipulative. It doesn't play it, it, they rely on the manipulation coming from the acting again and the directing, which I think is a good point. The second point I was going to make is it's not elevator music, but it's museum music is your <laughs> argument. <laughs> yeah, this music, I feel like I can go to MoMA 
and hear that song. <laughs> okay. Why did I give the Trump? And there's a difference between the, those two to you. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Maybe coffee shop music. No, not even coffee shop. Coffee shop is light. No, this is it. If you went to MoMA. <laughs> it's MoMA anyway, music. MoMA music. Uh, let's wrap up this Oscar lens. I have tears, and you can agree or disagree. I think almost definitely this is a tear. Celine Song is getting nominated for this screenplay. It really you should. It, I mean, she has to, right? If, if you believe in her directing anyway, you have to at least give her the screenplay nom. So including screenplay, I think there are probable three noms. So that means two other noms. One of these three actors get nominated, and Best Picture, Past Lives, is a Best Picture nominee. Do you agree with that or no? I don't think it will happen, but I'm going to say I agree because I want it to happen. Oh, because you want it to happen. Okay, yeah. but you don't. All right, so you're on I mean, the lower look, end here. I just don't have faith in the Academy to do the right thing is what it comes mm-hmm. down like, Like, is this movie worthy? Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, as far as Best Picture goes, the only, in the first half of 2023, the only movies I think have, like, Best Picture any year qualities to them thus far are Air and This. I should have mentioned this earlier, but if Teo Yu is a supporting actor, does that raise the Best Picture candidacy of this movie? Because that probably puts him in supporting actor. Greta Lee is probably a lead actress, so you when know, you say the one performing category, you were talking about Greta Lee? Greta Lee would be my, yeah, my guess in terms of how people power rank those performances. Is she better if she, if she runs as a supporting rather than a lead? I don't think she can run as a supporting. I think he, Teo Yu, can, can feasibly run as supporting. He has a few less scenes, in my my opinion, and then he also, I guess he's, he's kind of... If she's the lead, he can be considered supporting in a similar way of Sam Rockwell and and Daniel Kaluuya and Brad Pitt. I mean, I think those three previous winners had more screen time than Teo Yu's Hysung character here. Mm. So that would box out John Magaro most likely, but that would probably give them a, a clearer The Magaro performance never gets nominated. Right. I mean, so they, if they're smart, A24 would run him... Teoyu in supporting actor and Greta Lee in lead actress. That would, would be my almost, advice. I would almost say do cat like just do the knowing category fraud and run Greta Lee as a supporting and say it's a three headed lead. Okay. Perhaps. I don't think they will and I don't think they probably could sell that necessarily. That's kind of stretching it. But okay. Probable three noms is again, now it's my tier. If it gets up to five noms, a third acting nom and director would be involved in this so my guess there i'm sorry i'm a, a second acting nom and and then director because so, what are your uh, three noms rock me through give me your three noms so my three noms are, are screenplay greta lee and picture okay my five noms would be screenplay greta lee picture you and director okay and then my i guess i mean my long shots are all three actors get nominated cinematography and my Hail Mary's or original score or film editing, something like that. I wonder if film editing, I mean, if this is taken more seriously as a best picture contender, if film editing gets in there, cause it seems like the story flowed really well. It Even did. It was straightforward three acts. We didn't talk about that, but upon a third watch, maybe I'll pay attention more to the editing. So what are the Oscar comparables to a past lives? The way it hit Sundance, you could have thought maybe it was a moonlight. I mean, people were in love mm. with it. Moonlight, eight nominees, three wins, including best picture. Is it a Carol? 
you know, Carol, six nominees, no best picture, but lead in supporting, costume yep. cinematography. Anyway, Call Me By Your Name, four-time nominee, nominee, one win for adapted screenplay, but it also got picture, actor, and original song, Call Me By Your Name. Or is Past Lives kind of an aftersun, which got the one nom for best actor, and we talked about Charlotte Wells all season. She got a ton of awards. Is it a promising young woman? wins screenplay five overall noms including some big ones picture director actress editing and 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 then screenplay obviously or can you ever forgive me three noms lead actress supporting actor adapted screenplay you like any of those comparables from the last uh, few years promising young woman stuck out to me when i was watching it mm-hmm. no i mean not even i don't was promising young woman a sundance movie Promising one, yes, it was a okay. Sundance movie. I didn't know that, but that was just what I was watching. I was that's just something that kind of correlated in my brain. But man, I hope so. Like, I just, I really worry about the momentum. Where does this go if it's being pulled out of theaters already? So, what's your, what's your over under? I guess is the long way to build up to that question. I'm always far more cynical and reserved with over unders for first half movies. Talking about them in the first half. Like it's, it's all, and it's such a cop out answer because of course I am because it's of course it's easier to do when we get closer to the Oscars nominations process. Of course you're going to be more accurate when you do over unders as you get closer to the nomination. But I need to see like so right now I'm thinking in my brain like if I'm being cynical I would say one and a half. But I guess if you are the house and you have to put your money up against, I mean, maybe this is the worst way to phrase this because now you're really going to be stingy. So you would say <laughs> one and a half again if it's no. your money. If it's my money. So if I'm the house uh-huh. and I'm saying, where can I milk the most bets out of both sides of this? Mm-hmm. Is it two and a half? Probably two, two and a half. Three and a half, maybe. Cause I think Four nominations you... is a big ask at this point with all those heavy hitters on the docket coming. Oh, I'm betting the over. I'm hammering the over. I think yeah. the Academy comes back to this one. I hope so. I hope you're right. I, I think this movie gets four to five noms. I, I would put four and a half for my over-under, but I, I'm rooting for five noms. I'm rooting for the two two acting, picture, director, screenplay. <sighs> I want it to happen. Make it so, Academy. Make it so. I Let's hope spoil you're it. right. I hope you're very right. Spoilers ahead! There's a word in Korean. Inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say. To seduce some mud. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Past Lives, the Oscars review brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater and do it quickly before this movie is pulled from theaters. Uh, Come back and hit play on us after you're done watching it. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, this is where you want to be. All spoilers about the plot of Past Lives from this moment on, the Past Lives Oscars profile review from Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Michael. All right, I am dying to know the answer to this question because I re-listened to the Big Picture podcast with Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins, and she mentioned overhearing bathroom conversations after her screening of Past Lives where she's hearing women say, quote-unquote, I can't believe she settled, right? And, <laughs> and you know, Amanda just completely disagreed with that, and, and I would completely disagree with that yeah, as well. Of course. I, I watched this movie... <laughs> 
I watched this movie cringing at their potential infidelity. I'm wondering what you were rooting for because you 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 like an eventful film, even if you're maybe not rooting for the morality of them. No, I getting was rooting for morality. Um, I was rooting for morality. Oh, when it comes you? to like issues of love and the heart and fairness, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not that evil. Um, wow. I was saying out loud in my seat, Mike, at the end. Well, here's a question to, for your question: If that okay. Uber comes a minute later, do they kiss? They're boning on the pavement. You think so? No, I'm ki- I'm kidding. Of course, no. I don't think they do kiss. I don't. I think, think they, they do. do. I was saying out loud in my seat. I was saying out loud in my seat at that mo- waiting for the Uber. I'm like, just hug, just hug and and leave and separate. Don't kiss. After, I'm saying don't kiss out loud. After the brutal apology that he gave to Arthur, the husband. He's going to look across watching him smoking a cigarette because that's where he's facing. He's facing that guy on the stoop smoking so a that, cigarette. Right. Looking uh, at uh, now, when you're in the moment watching that, you don't know that jo- Magaro is right. within right. Island, like. So I'm watching them thinking they're alone in this moment. And to okay. be honest, if I was Magaro, I wouldn't have done that. I, like, I would have just let, you know... But then you'd never leave, know. You'd that's never the know. point. That, that, <laughs> like, I, like you do... I'm going to have enough trust and faith in my wife. You leave the house. You're going to be okay. You're, this is your home. You're going to come back home. Like, I'm going to trust you're not going to do anything because that's what you do in a marriage. That's a relationship, right? I don't. I think, made... I think Magaro being out there on the stoop, when I saw yeah. that, when the camera panned over to him, I was like, oh, that struck me as like, oh, that's not right. That, that struck made me as like him... him being wrong. So much more human, though, in that scene. That See, I disagree. Fun. That made him. Well, uh, look at you. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I get like, what you're saying, and you're he right. would be a better guy. Yes, you're but right. That makes you're him right. a more you're rounded right. character. It's it makes him human in so far as he had not done and he had left his jealousy aside almost the entire time, and yet he's saying all the right things, but you know it's killing right. him inside it's killing to the him point inside. where, yeah, he's he's talking about her dreams in Korean to, and stuff and how, you know, she makes Have you had those bigger. Con- like you can't ask those questions. That's what I've learned in my relationships. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I am. I'm, I'm not even joking. You cannot like, I'd rather I'm going to go through life like her. And this is what I said. I think they think this is perfect. Like the different types of people in relationships. And when you grow and mature to different spots, like I've learned in my, in my time, like you can't, if you ask those questions, it's only from a place of insecurity. And you're never going to be satisfied with the answer. And yet, she gives as satisfactory an answer as one could possibly give under the circumstances. Like, this is my life. I am here because I'm supposed to be here. I am here with you because this, we're doing something I love something you, together. yeah. I mean, right. That's... Like, and that's as great as an answer. And not, it's still not satisfactory enough for that question. Oh, right. So, like, in real life, you're never going to get... This is a movie where they had time to write, edit, and rewrite the answer. If you ask that question in real life, you're asking that to be hurt. Because you will never get an answer that satisfies that question. So you can't ask that question. Right. Some people are self-destructive in in that way. And and he feels... Like, the the word for this that I don't like is cuck, right? Like, he... That's not... That's not not this. Right. He's not this. No. And he's showing a lot more courage in that moment. And she's showing a a ton of courage throughout here as well. All three of them... it's really incredible. So let's let's talk about the this. And he has the more. trump card forever in their relationship to be like, oh, we should go to the Statue of Liberty this weekend, don't you think? <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> We're going, aren't we? And look, that sequence is fascinating to me, especially on rewatch, though, because they have this this pasta dinner, and you're right. You could see him filling up his pants. He should he should have said, I have to 
use the restroom before we leave. And I to, anyway, you could see him just, oh, shit. Like, at that point, I'm like, I'm like I, if I'm Josh McGuire, I'm crying while walking to dinner next to the two of them. You know? Handsome. Like, I just want this over. They go get pasta, and, and that's fine. It, they, there's a little montage of them all talking during dinner, whatever, who cares. They go to a, a bar afterwards. Do they stay in the same restaurant? We know he's kind of killing time to get on his flight. And it's this awkward three-way conversation until they completely box out Arthur after a while. And he's patiently, excruciatingly drinking alone as these two speak alone to each other in Korean. And he's trying. I mean, I'm watching this guy's performance. Yep. He's trying not to look like he's sulking, but you can tell he's crushed. And yet they're having this conversation, essentially wrapping up where they're at. Where she, he's, yeah, it's a closure conversation where he's telling her, "It hurts me that I like your husband so much." And yeah, she's oh my telling, God, if I had, a, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and she's telling him that she's not the kid that she was back back in Korea, the kid that you fell in love with. And he's admitting to her, yes, I did love her. I did love that girl. He finally admits it after all this, you know, all this mileage that they've been through together. But she's like, hey, but I did, I was that person at a certain time. It's okay. And you get this bittersweet recognition that their feelings were validated back when. And just like, you know, when he's talking about they were still babies in their 20s and you're, you're validating their their feelings that they both had to each other uh, for each other at that moment. So Sung eventually p- apologizes to Arthur about their quote unquote speaking alone. And you could see him again trying to say all these right things. And you're right. It sets up this one final showdown where they go to the car together and they continue the, the conversation about Inyun. Right, this uh, mm-hmm. this Buddhist concept Kismet type thing about uh, past lives and and the fact that you know when you're reincarnated and what a beautiful notion too that oh, that's the gorgeous. idea like maybe we were lovers but maybe you were just the bird and I was the branch you happen to sit on one day yeah like, you could have been everything yeah but you have this connection this spiritual connection from a long time ago and that's why you're meeting again now. And he he mentions to her uh, earlier on, he's like, you know, what will we be? What will we be in the next life? I wonder what we what were we in previous lives? What will we be in the next life? And and the same way he says, hey, you know, when they were kids and instead of just saying bye in this emotionally stunted way, because you're a kid and of course you are. He says, hey. I will see you then yeah. in, in that past life. Yeah. Oh my God! Just I, like the Amelie scene when she just falls like a like a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, he's stuck. I, I mean, landing. I felt this was. I never want to watch this again. This was this was torture to watch from both guys' perspective, and I mean, it's I take that perspective just as as a man, like having again lived through something similar, and it also brings up so much of like. My God, what Nora had to do and why I said she had to, like, fake it in the non-spoiler section. Like, she's holding it together this entire time. And then she finally, like, she has to be strong for the sake of both herself, for Sung and for her marriage to Arthur. And mm. she finally, when he's gone, can let it all go. And then she's overcome with emotion and she collapses into Arthur's arms, crying as soon as Sung's out of the picture. Like, the literally that- and figuratively. Yeah, the fact that she's crying on her husband's shoulder there validates like one of the 
I mean, the, the, the one of the most connective themes of the film that she was a crybaby when she was a kid, but she was not a crybaby in her twenties. At least the, that's what she said. Even though we that see part's her cry. still in her, right? Yeah. yeah, but the fact that she she cries there of course on her husband's shoulders. Yeah, like oh god. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just an incredible moment. Uh, I'm not expressing myself. So, but, but well, no. I mean, I, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> we, this is if ever we're going to get canceled 20 years from now for something we said 20 years ago, it's going to be because of this episode. And I go Come into on. this review knowing that and accepting that, and it's fine. But if you're coming, like we're doing our best here. <laughs> no, I disagree. However, I mean, I know we were joking about threesomes before. Maybe that was now. Look, I think uh, I think it's good that Celine Song made this film and not the two Mikes from Mike, Mike and Oscar. Yeah, probably because <laughs> she's gotten through this in her life and she has to wis- the wisdom to look back. And I'm I'm seeing a, a, a very clear theme to this story to where these characters misinterpret things. And, and of course they do misinterpret actions by the other characters throughout and and blame each other for for why things went down the way they did and yet what that final vacation has to be is each one of them forgiving themselves for the choices they've made yes there's this shared connection between the two of them and yet it's neither of their fault fault that that they didn't wind up together like there's they say you know what else throughout this- yeah, go ahead. You know what? This movie is like, it also just touches on how, man, none of us asked to be here in the first place, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, this living shit and this adult shit is hard and it's painful and it's yeah. in, it's insanely awkward every day. And, like, we're all just like, is this the right thing to do? Maybe. Let's try. Because I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like, would I have even wanted, if I'm in this marriage, would I have even want? my wife to bring that yeah. friend back like would i want to meet him of course i not. guess like no. but, like yes and no though like like mm. kind of because like like I, like even for ego's sake like you want to see what you're measured up against right but you also okay. want to think you're a nice person and like of course you want to be accepting of your wife's like how she was in the past and this is something she has to go through so you want to be supportive like this is it's, it's about what it means to be human and there is no right answer and we're all just so fucked up emotionally at all times and it's impossible to get through and it's like, here, man, here's a slice of what something everybody goes through. And it fucking sucks when you go through it. And there's no right way to do it, but here's one way to go about it. And here's what these people did. And guess what? They're as crushed emotionally at the end of it like anyone else would be, no matter what avenue you pick. It's and just, it's so hard to be human, man. I feel like a lesser writer or someone that is perhaps more like, more like us where we're still in our shit. But we would have so much revisionist history regret what ifs and all of that plays in to the story to round out these characters and again you got the blame game that goes around and around and around until they both say in their 30s like there's nothing to forgive they say that a bunch of different times so again to me like this is a journey of like forgiving oneself like it neither of them could have changed what happened when they were kids their parents made those decisions yep and he was mad at her. He was literally mad at her for leaving without telling him, essentially. They just had that first date. It was beautiful. It was a gorgeous time. He was smitten with her at that moment. And then the next scene is 
her in telling their classmates in class that she's immigrating and he's like crushed at that so he walks home and he says hey bye but it's like this cold goodbye and it's terrible right and you almost feel like he blames himself all those years and it it hurts him and and you certainly feel like she's upset uh, about how things went down there to the point where they have this harsh miscommunication but of course they realize later on that this is this is them being kids. And it, it, the way they frame that, the way Celine Song frames that whole miscommunication is with another miscommunication when they were kids. Like, he thinks she's crying at the end of the very first scene of the movie, walking back to their neighborhood, to the, you know, crossing of the, the fork in the road. And she, he tells her, you know, you're crying because I beat you in like with like a math grade. And she admits as much. And yet we realize seconds later, because the parents are packing up their house and she's having to decide on an American name, we realize she's crying. Of course she's crying because they're immigrating Mm. and she's got to leave him. Brilliant way to frame that. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very, very artfully done piece about something like you said in the non-spoiler section that's not... I mean, it's it's intricate and it's deep and there's layers to it emotionally, but as far as a story to tell, it's pretty straightforward and linear. And I love the the middle story is kind of an inverse of that, where he seemed to have more of the feelings in the in the kid story, and then she had the the obvious feelings in the Skype story. And the in session film guys are talking about technology. Are you out of your mind? Wait a minute. He was lovelorn the entire time they were on Skype. Yeah, By the way, maybe, shout out but, to but, Skype for still being relevant in a movie, in a May right. 24 movie. Damn right. Damn <laughs> Skippy. But, but she is, I felt like she she was shown in all the reaction shots there as well, to where she, she was obviously canoodling afterwards. Mike, if you've ever talked to somebody who, like, is in love with you, I mean, that the look in his eyes... He would have, like, fucking walked on water for her. All right, well, maybe they're both in, obviously in love with each other at that point. But, however, she was, like, struck by a blow. You could see her wince when she asked him if if he's coming to New York. When do you I think he'll make it, it to New York? The biggest, that was, the, obviously, that was the gauntlet at the very end. But yep. before that, like, one of the first nights, she was she was hurt by... How I, don't, I forget where in the montage this was, but he mentioned that he was going to study abroad in China for engineering. And he said it so matter-of-factly and coldly, like it wasn't going to change. He was going to do that. And she, I felt like she was hurt in that moment. That was a great performance note from Greta Lee. And then she gets even better with her performance and joking it off. And she says the few Chinese words that she knows. She like says hello or goodbye yep. in Chinese. And then they laugh about it. But that was that was really hard for her. And yeah. ultimately, yeah, you're right. She lays it down. When can you come see me in New York? And he's like a year to a year and a half from now. And then she's like, I, we, we need, she breaks it off. We got to stop talking. Yeah. And you, you, know you understand this, why, of course. This, this movie... I mean, talk about an American slant on this. This movie is best encapsulated. I even looked this quote up in the theater because it struck me so much. Was like, there's a quote from the, the show How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very sorry for being so <laughs> American media driven about this, but it's what I thought of. But there's a quote from How I Met Your Mother that essentially is Robin, I think, saying that all you need in love is two things. One of them is chemistry, 
But the second thing is timing, and that timing could be a real bitch. They and never had the time, right? Clearly. Exactly. They and never had Paris. Mm-hmm. They never had Seoul. Right. This was this could have been Casablanca, and I thought I was walking into a movie where these were ex lovers, like these these they had. So, a time but if you believe themselves. that, Mike, if you believe that, then aren't you kind of saying? Unless well, you're saying the humanity route, but like that everyone is equal, I guess, which you should do, and that's very noble of you. But like, aren't you saying if you believe they never had timing that she is settling by being with Arthur? I guess what I'm saying is before I saw the film and before I watched this actual story, I expected them to be ex lovers. I expected them I to see. have had yeah. a time to where they that were brings together. up a whole different bundle of questions is like, would this meeting have even happened if there was physical intimacy between them at any point? Right. I expected this to be more the notebook or yep. the Casablanca or that kind of a story. The fact that this is purely unrequited love and I feel as strongly and as as and like you're like you're talking about as conflicted as I do. I am truly a mess here because that's why I wanted to open up spoilers where I was like, what were you rooting for? Because there's a very clear sense to me where I'm rooting against them. I'm I'm rooting against of them, them consummating what they need to consummate here, but yeah. I don't know if that happened. I'm not exactly going to cover my eyes, uh, but but never mind the shot. This is well, I won't either because I'm a pervert. But yeah, no, this no. is coming off. The <laughs> what do you wrong. Well, no, no, explain this. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What like I, you wouldn't be what against I mean it? Was is that if it did happen, I would be open to it in the sense like if Gret if if Greta Lee and Tao Yu and there's still a Song, happy ending for also Mike if they ended up going away together. They could have figured it out yeah. because at least on my first watch, I was not a fan right. of John Magaro's character, and I I earned so much more respect for him. Yeah, you're right. This. this movie really does hinge, like the the digestion of this movie really hinges a lot on the likability of Magaro, because if he's a dick, right? If he's like the cartoon boyfriend, and you're rooting for the long the star-crossed lovers who never were. Then this is easy. Like, oh my God, you got to go with with Hey Sung. You have to end up with him. That's your destiny. That's who you belong with. But because Magaro is like a guy who's just trying to like exist and do his best and do right by his family and do right and like you know because he's so damn relatable, <laughs> it makes this incredibly difficult. And which yet makes it more relatable. <laughs> I don't know if Celine Song is kind of portraying her husband and and, and John Magaro is kind of a surrogate version of that or if she was deliberately making him kind of cringy to me because dude he is clinging to her in bed with like that sp- uh, the chicken wing scene Ugh, that grossed me out but again i'm not comfortable <laughs> come on they were in love uh, I, mean, I don't like his facial hair i don't like his haircut i hated his jeans like those stonewashed 1990s jeans that look it i agree i owned a pair as well uh-huh. and i they're they're ill-fitting they're unsettling to me and I, again i'm cringing there as much it for what i was upon itself yeah yeah they're like writer jeans and they're just disgusting <laughs> like ugh. And he doesn't fill them out, and there's no junk in the trunk. I'm sorry. So everything, but everything you disliked about Magaro was superficial at the end. But yeah, you're right, and you're right. And, and and even the book, the name of his book is Boner. Did you catch that? I did catch that. Yeah, that was funny. Like, so th- if you're writing that, are you writing that as a joke? Like, that's like my worst scene of the film. That's but, all I can but muster. Who, here. Like, Mike. <laughs> I mean, who, it could have been a scientific study about, like, who knows? And the <laughs> scientific name could have been Bone. Who knows? But that didn't exactly, 
you know, that that felt like a very cynical look at his writing abilities to me to where, like, it didn't endear me to him. Sure. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) That's... Jesus Christ, I thought I was the more judgmental one. <laughs> no, you, we've we've realized this. You are much more romantic, and you put on a facade, and I am much more ju- judgmental, and I put on a facade of being romantic. We've already been through this. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I wonder, I mean, if this is supposed to be a conduit for Celine Song's actual husband, like, if I, I, I take it as a compliment if I'm him? I, I understand that's supposed to, like it, it it is supposed to be that way, but like I wonder if that's how the majority of people watching this for the first time would take it because like it takes you a minute to realize it's easy to say he's mm-hmm. a cuck he's how could you let this your wife do this she's walking all over like that's right. but that's nonsense that's not living in the reality that's the, not the, living with empathy for another person you love the strength and the courage right. for him to if you love something let it go right if yeah. you love someone trust it yeah trust tr- i mean yeah the trust and the maturity like he wins the movie in that of regard course. in terms of his hero at least in what he does like you're right i think it's open to interpretation cuz i think he said all the right things but I, I think he was dying inside there's no question he about has it to. yeah you but you have like you don't go through that thinking well, this will be easy, <laughs> you know, like I'm going <laughs> to nail this. It's not an interview, you know, exactly it's not a math test. And he's courageous in the sense that he asks a lot of the obvious questions to the audience. And we get past that. That's why this movie goes deep into the subject subtext, because he's like, I feel like the villain in this epic story, yep. uh, the, the, the evil white. Oh, I love we, that. I love, love that, that speech because it, it was so like and it's, it is on the nose, but you ha- like. You have to have that conversation because that's a real conversation. Just in the same way of, do you think you would be here with me is a real conversation. Like you get ridiculous you get manic in love. Like it makes you do, it really does. It fucks with you so much and makes you so insecure about stuff you thought you were sure of. And all it takes is like one little pebble in the water to cause a ripple. And where this movie gets even deeper is the fact that you're adding her memories of Haesung to the fact and to the event of her leaving her home country. You're adding those together. Her like her, Im- her immigrant story is tied to this first love story for her. And whether she embraces it fully or not, she's had to reinvent herself. And we, we watch some of that yeah. in, in, in the flashbacks. And he's much more aligned, like linear, linearly. He's much more mm-hmm. the same type of per like there doesn't seem to be as much emotional maturity or growth in his character as there is in hers and yet every time she talks about Sung to her husband she is mentioning how korean he is right and how handsome and korean and 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 how traditional he is and and and, and maybe that's in her mind the fact that he stays he's the one who stays and sh- and he, when he talks about her and, and where he ultimately lands on her at least textually is he says to her, you are the one who leaves, but that's who you are. That's why That's why I loved you as a kid. That's why, you know, I love you still, but that's, I accept you for being who you are. And again, nobody's at fault here. I'm not, you know, I blamed you for years or I, I, I'm sorry, but ultimately I forgive myself and I for, for, for not making it work with us 
Because that's the thing. They they made their choices, but they were destined to make those choices. Right. Because he's recognizing who he is now, who he still is, and who she always was in that that sense. That's why I feel like this movie, to tie it in a bow, it's like you're forgiving yourself for all those decisions, this even is, though they weren't perfect. Yeah. No, even though you weren't the perfect person back then or now, and you all you know all the what ifs or whatnot, and I think you know I look back on the the few people again. I don't want to get into details here, but I look back and I say I still say you know what? It's probably better off for them and for we'll me. We'll call her Hamela. <laughs> <laughs> we were right not yeah. to go further it was it was the right decision yeah now does that mean my life is going all that great right now not necessarily but that doesn't matter it's regardless i you know you forgive yourself for for making the choices that you did i'm realizing i don't really give a shit if this one competes for a best picture i'm swearing way too much for this episode and i apologize but i i don't I, it doesn't matter to me if this competes for best picture because this is the type of movie that i'm just grateful to have seen because like these are conversation pieces about life that I don't like they otherwise wouldn't happen. I agree. And I think this movie is going to go down uh, as one of those classics to where, yeah, I do too. You know, in terms of movies, do you think about, criterion is already starting there. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> But in terms of movies about unrequited love about, I mean, this sort of thing, this, yeah. this, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, this was a beef. I, I said I didn't want to put it at an 89 because everything everywhere I gave a 90 on first blush. And I didn't want it to be a point away. But, yeah, it's an 89. This is this is really good. Wow. We're in sync on this yeah. for once. Um, I had B89 or B plus 89 written down here. And we texted the other day about what that means. It means that you're actually higher on the film than I am because yeah. there's a three-point curve between us. Yeah. This was... It's it makes no sense. Like the budget for this had to have been like seventeen dollars. <laughs> like this is literally just people walking around what seemed like an unblocked off New York City street for the majority of it. Right. And they're just reciting lines, man. Maybe it was five or ten because a twenty four was was on board from the jump here, and they 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 financed it. John Magaro's a name actor, and you never know. What did you need? You needed two cameras and a boomstick. You needed the director and the talent. Like that's you needed a lot of talent. Is yeah. what you did. Well, sure, a lot of talent comes packaged in these three people, though. You know, right? Uh, I tell you, my words of wisdom today: Celine Song, Celine Song should write and direct another dozen films. Oh Greta yeah. Lee, Teo Yu, John Magaro, cast them in everything, and then you know have Grizzly Bear do all these scores and Shabir Kirchner, DP everything. I am understanding. Them Obviously, everything. there was a lot of talent attached to this. Yes, yeah, so you are very, very correct yeah. in saying that. Yeah, in that correction. But yeah, this was incredible watch. Uh, obviously, if you can get your hands on it, uh, we want to hear from you. That's always what matters most to us. Uh, how hard can you relate to what you saw here in past lives? Have you seen the movie? Do you plan on seeing it? If you have seen it, what is the effect uh, that it left you with? Do you think somebody did settle in this movie? Or do you have different outcomes or emotions or questions that Mike and I didn't address here? We want to hear from you as always. You can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, that'll take about 10 seconds out of your day. It'll make our entire day. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, I am incredibly proud of both of us for neither crying nor yelling during this episode. Uh, yes. Let's have some words of wisdom. You gave the words of wisdom already, so let's tell the good people what's coming next. 
we're going to do Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 as Just a film study. Just going along the lines of all these movies about love and, and lost chances, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is next, naturally. Perfect transition, <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll also have film studies on Barbie, on Oppenheimer later in the month. Do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> uh, we'll have some unqualified Emmy nomination reactions. We'll yes. do one of our few Mike, Mike, and Emmy episodes. I know we've both been watching a lot of TV of mm-hmm. late, so we'll fill in some reviews there. Did you watch the, the Bear season two? I'm in the middle of it. Oh yeah. my God. When yeah. you get to the Christmas, I'm not going to spoil anything. When you get to the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. um, I, I just need you to understand why I'm so messed up because I watched that entire episode. Oh, and it's God. supposed to be this incredibly like, like emotionally heavy movie. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's the holidays. I don't understand what the oh, big deal no. is. Other oh, than the last thirty seconds, I'm like, yeah, that's that is what happens in my household. That's Christmas. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we're not doing a series study on that one, but yeah, that's a dead no, It makes sense. Did you see yeah, that episode yet? No, I haven't got. Oh, yet. I can't wait. Very, it's it's probably honestly it's one of the best episodes I've seen of TV. Just single set shot episodes in quite some time. I'm glad to hear. It. I'm a little weirded out by the fact that it's still in the comedy category at the Emmys. The Bear. That's like well, that yeah. Game. I mean, you know, and Bohemian Rhapsody was a drama, right? That's like, right. That's right. That's what we've seen this before. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna have some specials. We'll, we're gonna we're talking about a summer Oscars report. We may have some guests involved with that. We're talking about an Oscar bets episode with David Long returning, uh, and hopefully we get that done with him. Uh, we booked it. We just got to get it done. I've just jinxed it, didn't I? Probably. Anyway, yeah, I just jinxed it. No, we, we we're gonna get it done no matter what, and uh, we'll get it to, to you guys uh, at some point over this next two months but yeah we're trying to get back in the groove we had a couple of sparse weeks there we're gonna you know even give you guys a couple three episode weeks to come because we got the goods baby like this one this is a three episode week we just finished three episode week just like this one this is good i may have just changed my editing and this may not come out until like tuesday (laughs) yeah we we're we're screwing ourselves in terms of the inyun between the two of us here not good Guys, when reality sucks, you can in with all of us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.